You mean I mean? Okay. Oh. Well, thanks for coming to church. <laughs> um, I, I, I have a word that I, that I won't even get close to finishing, so I want to see if I can um, maybe do a little bit of it. I, when I have been speaking over the last four to six weeks with you know, the different interruptions and stuff, um, I, I've been speaking from Corinthians and we've been looking at the love of God and the fact that Jesus, yes, he died and was buried, but he rose again and looking at all that great stuff. And I, I want to continue and, and, and finish off the thought of us as a family that we belong in a place. And when we belong in a place, we, I guess we don't act in a way because you have to but you act in a way because you want to, you know. I know that when I go to my mum's, some of the things that I do at home, it's not that it's not acceptable, it's not acceptable because she doesn't like it, so I don't do it in her house. Not because she forces me not to, because I just know that it pleases her when I don't, yeah. And so when you belong in a house, when you belong in a family, you act in a particular way, not because you have to, but because you desire to. Because you know that's just what makes the father happy, yeah? So some of this is about that. But we're going to jump in. I'm going to try to talk about vision a little bit. Because when we belong to a house, um, we really, if you're going to belong anywhere, whether it's at Family Life Church, whether it's at Rise, whether it's at Peel Street Church of Christ that was Ballarat Central, that was Peel Street. Do you know that once upon a time they were called the Aussie Church? Yes, in its history, we found out recently, oh geez, I've been playing with Tim Clark about that, the Aussie church, that means I can't go. <laughs> anyway, uh, so it's really interesting, some of the old names of churches, what you wouldn't get away with today, you know. Um, anyway, got nothing to do with anything. First Corinthians, belonging with a vision, we're going to read chapter 15, just the last few verses. And the first couple we know really well, verse 55. And it's, where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Do you love it? We sing about it. And I reckon most Christians have memorised it without even memorising it. We just know it. Yeah? Verse 66, uh, 56, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a main crux, the passage that I really want to bounce off a couple of times today. 58, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Father, we just ask you to bless what time we have together. Lord, that you would do something in us. Lord, that you would shape us, prune us, challenge us, that we would truly come away thinking, oh man, you know, I just feel like more like Jesus today. And Lord, that we would even pray a prayer, make us more like your son. God, that we truly would be an example to those that need us in this time. Father, like those that are flooded, they would discover, Lord, your son Jesus through the Christians that are in their life around them because they will see it lived out. So we just ask you to have your way in this place today. In Jesus' name. Amen. I, I don't know about you, but do you ever reflect on your spiritual birthday? Like when you got saved or when you made a decision for Jesus? I know that I've had many people over the years have said, I was born in a Christian home, I just always believed. I was born in a Catholic home, I just always believed too. And the enemy, Satan, 
he always believed too because he's met, he's met the Father. But there really does come a time, I'm telling you that somewhere in your life, in my life, there is a time where you would have said, you know what, I actually think this is the real deal for me. It's not my parents' faith anymore. I'm actually going to make an effort. I see it, I see it in my boys. I see it, see it in Sam as he gets older. I see it sometimes, sometimes in Nathan while he worships, sometimes. But I, I see the, the effort change. It's no longer our faith. You know, they start to ask questions about their faith. You know, they, they're growing and maturing. And even those that have been born in a Christian home, you know, so many PKs, preachers, kids walk away from the faith. You don't just, you're not a Christian just because you're born in a Christian home. There's a decision somewhere that gets made, yeah? And for me, I often think back to where I got saved because I didn't know it then, but now it is so evident and so obvious that, that it has inadvertently, without me even knowing, influenced my theology and the way that I minister and the way that I minister here. Because when I got saved, I was in an independent Pentecostal church. Cultish, probably. Ah, yeah, it was cultish. But anyway, I got saved there, yeah? But when I got saved there, I, I came to church. I didn't want to be there. I sat in the very last row. My arms were crossed. Yeah, I, like I didn't want anything to do with anyone. You know, I, and... And I wasn't as lovely and as kind as, and as warm as you know me now. Yeah? So I had someone come up and they, like if I was sitting here, they jumped in the row in front of me and turned towards me and they leant forward and they go, Hi, you must be Andrew, Dominic's friend. And she put her hand out to shake my hand. Hi, I'm Karen. I still remember Karen to this day. Because what I then replied with was WTF do you want use your imagination what the fridge do you want leave me alone go oh I just wanted yeah no need see ya like I was I was not very nice yeah anyway this big fat guy got up and preached like me Probably he was bigger. And um, if I can joke about me, I can joke about others. You know, that's, it's that way I'm not calling the kettle black. See? <laughs> Smart. You've got to work how you can do it and get away with it. Anyway, the, the, the preacher got up to preach and he shared a message. I have no idea what it was about. Really have no idea. And in the end, I found myself weeping, weeping, and walking to the front to accept the Lord. And you have to hear this. I was not convicted of sin, of my wicked life, such a wicked man that I am. I lived a good life. I, I was brought up in an Italian home, went to school, had just started work, wasn't into crime, smoked for a couple of years and then stopped because I couldn't afford it. You know, mate, $2.80 a packet was a killer. You know, I know, right? People pay $50 now. Like, I, I, I had a... I, I was one of those people that you think, he could be a Christian, right? And I found myself at the front weeping because for me, I had professed to know this God. I'm Catholic, I'm okay. I don't need to come with you to church because I'm Catholic. I don't need to go to those other religions because they're not real. They don't have the Pope, right? I'm just telling you how I thought, right? And here I was at the front bawling, saying to God, I'm so sorry, 
I'm so sorry that I have claimed to know you and I've not even given you the time of day. I've claimed that you're my father and I understand what Jesus did on the cross. I know all of that, that you saved me, but I've actually never even said thank you. And I was just, I, I was uncontrollably wiped out at that thought alone, that I profess to know a God that wants to know me, that killed, because it sounds better than sacrifice, kills a bit harsher, yeah? That killed his son for me, and yet I never acknowledged it. And I was just beside myself that I could be that person that would say, yeah, I'm okay with God, but I don't know him. So I often look back at that day. I don't know when it was. I was 19 or 20. I remember I got baptised. Um, just before my 21st, maybe six months before my 21st. So I got saved somewhere before that. I don't have a date like some people have dates. That's awesome. I don't have a date. What I have is a memory that I hold exceptionally dearly, you know. And I know for some it doesn't work like that. I know for some your faith comes and it's a gradual thing. It's It's a gradual growth, you know. That's okay too. God works differently with all of us. And in fact, if I was to go back further, though I accepted the Lord that day at that altar, my journey began long before that. My journey began when I was in high school. Because the first four years in high school, I was bullied. The next two, three years in high school, I did the bullying. So I enjoyed the last few years. I didn't enjoy the first four. And when I said, when I say bullying, Look, I'm, I'm talking bullying. There was fights nearly every second day, usually three or four against one. I could hold my own, but I, I can recall really vividly one day in a stairwell, three stories up, crying in the stairwell, saying to God, this can't be my life. This is ridiculous. You need to do something. You either take me home or you make a change. And he did, he made a change and I became the bully. No, no, God didn't do it like that. But I changed schools and it just happened to change that, you know, that prayer was the beginning of my journey. When I was an altar boy, even before that, I really loved being an altar boy. I loved ringing the bells. I don't know why. Stupid bells. They're in my house. They wouldn't even, even, wouldn't even have a place of prominence. But I loved it. Ding, 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 ding. Like it was so special. You know, used to love being, you know, in that room behind, you know, the altar. And when the priest wasn't around, we'd try some of the wine, you know, like, like we did that. I loved that. I don't know why I liked it. I did. I figured that was the start of my journey. Sometimes it's a journey to finding the Lord. He's always there for us, but sometimes it's just one moment, one season, one thing at a time that gets us closer, that eventually all comes together like a jigsaw. And you're looking back now. You know, I, I just love the fact that I can see my life and my testimony has steered my ministry inadvertently. The language that we use here that Peter shared last week is so natural for us. I am not a sinner. I'm not. And if you're still a sinner, I'm really sorry, I'll pray for you. Because to be a sinner, you're going to be on the other side of the cross before we know Jesus. Because then he actually brings us home. And he makes us sons and daughters seated in heavenly places. Sin cannot reside in heaven. You can't be a sinner and a saint at the same time. Sorry. Not biblically, theologically possible. 
Can't be done. So I love how it's my history has shaped me and, and shaped this place. I love the fact that, you know, in this church, we believe it was love that drove God to the cross. If that's the only thing I say this morning after our worship, I'm quite happy with that, by the way. I'm, I'm glad that it was not his anger against sin. He loved me. He loved you so much that somehow he had the gumption, the utterance, the tenaciousness, the bravery to say, I'm going to sacrifice my son for you. And I'm going to do that so that you can be in my family. I'm going to do that so you can come back and be reinstated like the prodigal as a son and daughter of God. And actually, while I'm doing that, while I'm putting the signet ring on your finger, I'm just going to deal with the issue of sin. That way it won't complicate things again. That's how he works. He doesn't get so angry that he deals with sin first and then he decides, oh, now that I'm angry, now I've calmed down, now I'll love them back into family. That was always and will always be love first. Always. And our vision, this church's vision, is to be a safe place. A safe place and a safe haven where all people, yeah, all people, I love this, where all people, regardless of skin colour, regardless of lifestyle, whether you're blue collar, whether you're white collar, whether you enjoy working for the government every two weeks, I don't know how it works, right? It, you know what I mean. No, some of you don't. It's okay. It doesn't matter about your lifestyle. And you know what? It's a safe place and a safe haven and it doesn't matter about your vaccination status. Because that was a big thing everywhere in Ballarat. There are still churches hemorrhaging. Whether you agree or disagree with their decisions or not, it's not the point. But the point is people were so, so divided by that, it's still having an effect. I like it that this is a place where people can come in totally broken and find refuge. I hold on to, it's probably a totally different picture now, but I've shared it with everyone, I continue to share it. It made up part of how we came up with our vision in this house all those years ago, but that picture, Ross, that you had, for those that are at home, you know, where, when he was in another church, a nice church, you know, when he was in a better place and he used to look at Mount Clear and think, oh, Mount Clear, it's like a river. You've got this beautiful running water and then you've got this bend and then the water keeps going, you know. But Mount Clear is on the bend and the water, as it comes down and flows, but all the shade in the water ends up at Mount Clear. That was the picture that he had and he shares until he had to be one of those people that ended up here. Praise God the water dumped him here. It's a home for broken people to find refuge. It's a home where people don't always fit in somewhere for some reason. Sometimes it is because of your lifestyle. Eat bacon for goodness sake, you know? Like sometimes it's because of the shape of your body sometimes. It, it, look, I don't know what it is, but it, it doesn't matter where you're at, what you've been through, what travail, what journey, what tunnel, and what trouble. You can still come here and be loved. 
You know that you will not be judged. You know that if you said, I'm really, I'm actually struggling with alcohol. I'm struggling with pornography. I'll tell you what's going to happen. Someone's going to come alongside you and go, really? Let me tell you about my journey. I was there once. This is what God did. This is how he did it for me. I'm still struggling here, but I found that this works for me. You will not find condemnation here. And if you do, tell me. Happy to show someone the door. If they don't get it, if they don't understand how to love, let's teach them how to love. Come in and love. If you can't love, sit down the back and be loved. And if you can't be loved, I'm sorry, I can't help you. McDonald's is down the road. And once someone finds a place of refuge here, they discover, they, like, like we had a moment this morning. I, I, I talk about moments. I know God is always present. But there is a difference between him living within us and coming everywhere we go to having a tangible experience where, he just, where his presence just sits and resides. Yeah? But when we find a place, a refuge that's safe, then actually God can start to restore us into the image that he has for us as sons and daughters of God. Is there any other image? I'm not a pastor. I'm not a husband. I'm not a father. I am all of those things. Some of them is what I do. Some of them is what I choose. But what I am is a son of God. Yeah? Totally loved by the Father. Adored. Who even likes my sense of humour. We, we were praying for those people that are in the floods. I looked down at Ryan's pedal board and started to look at the names on the pedal boards. This is where my mind goes. And one pedal board is called pork loin. So what do I picture? Pork loin while we're praying. Like heaven forbid, how wicked am I? Another one's called black rat. What do I picture? And let me tell you, do not read the green one. Don't read it. Don't go there. He's going to put tape on it later. I can't let anyone see that. It's a place where we're restored into his image, the way that God had always intended for us. Yeah? Fearfully, wonderfully made. And now, now because we understand who we are, it's not about that song. There's only one thing I've got. So I, I, I put out my hands and I raise them to the king. When we actually understand that this is all we have, it's not because we're worthless. It's because he's a king. And it means I don't have to do anything else but give him what I have. And what I have is my heartfelt thanks for what he's done. Job finished. Accepted into his family. You know, as a church, how do we, how do we continue to fulfil our vision of being a safe haven, a safe place for all people to come and be restored and revealed for the glory of God? How do we do that? Now, I love... I love the fact that Malcolm came up to me this morning. He goes, I really feel the need to intercede for those in the floods. And I said, that's awesome because I've got here. How are we going to do this stuff as a church? How are we going to fulfill the vision of the church? Because if this is our house, if this is where you belong, you need to know the vision of the house because if you don't know the vision, how do you know how to act? If we're supposed to be welcoming to everyone that walks through the door, heaven forbid that you're not. You're not fitting in with the vision of the church. Do you understand what I mean? We need to know the vision of the house so we can work with it. 
diligently the scripture actually says that we read before therefore my dear brothers and sisters stand firm let nothing move you always give yourselves fully to the work of God fully to it so you've got to understand what the vision and what the prophetic destiny of the house that we belong to is so that we can fully work the way he encourages us to yeah I wrote here, Malcolm, especially for you, obviously, this morning, but being a church that's fully invested in prayer. I know we pray at home. I know we pray in the mornings. I know we pray in the car. I know some of us pray in the shower. I know we have prayer meetings. If you've got time, join us on a Wednesday morning. If we want to see this place grow, if we want to see people experience what we experience, I'm really biased. I have no shame whatsoever. I tell the pastors all the time that our church is smaller than theirs, but it's better. Ask them. I tell them all the time. That's awesome. You've got more people coming. That's cool. If you have anyone leave, just send me those that are hungry for God. But Yeah? All right. Like, I just, I love this house. I want more people to experience you. I want more people to experience the Father's heart. I want more people to experience his presence. Yeah? In a place where they can come and be themselves. Where they don't have to wait for the connect team, you know, to welcome them. Where it happens organically. Because you who've been in the church family for so long, those at home, you look over and think, oh, there's a face I don't know. I should go over and harass them in a good way. I should say good day. Should see if they want a coffee. Should see if they drink tea and see if I can pray for them. You know, we want to do stuff for the people of the house. You know, we've got Thursday nights where we go to people's homes. I mean, open your home. Get people in there praying. You'd be surprised what gets caught in the atmosphere after those prayers leave, yeah? Happens in our friendship groups. And seriously, a family that prays together stays together. We have to, you and I, if we know our vision is to be a safe place, a safe haven for all people to come and find refuge that they might be revealed, restored and revealed for his glory, then you and I, we need to continually be investing in one another. Like I'm talking investing in one another. I had a brother recently um, I hadn't seen for a couple of weeks. And uh, when they were here a few weeks ago, I went up and I gave them a hug and I said, man, I so missed you. I really, really missed you. And their words were so true, yet sharp, but true. You could have called me. Dang it. I missed it. I could have called him. We need to love on one another. We need to invest. For those that are at home, if you know the people that are here, well, I mean, we're in a Every church is in a post-COVID world. They've got a core group of people that come every week. Amen. Hallelujah for the real believers. I mean, those believers. right? And then you've got those that they come every second or third week. Yeah? If you know there's people in that boat, ring them. Say day. Invite them over. Do something. Don't miss the opportunity like I did. And then when we see them go, I really miss you, man. Oh, what did you call? Sorry. Didn't even think about it. I should have. Because we're all kings and priests, aren't we? We're all missionaries. We're all ministers. We're all pastors. All of us together hold this thing, our vision of being a safe place, a safe haven 
for all people to find refuge, that they might be restored and revealed for his glory. All of us. We're going to be open to the need around us. This week alone, I had someone come alongside me. Praise God. I can't do it. I don't have a lot of money. I bought some brakes. They changed them for me. Do you know what? Thank you. Now I know that one person can't do it for everyone, but I know there are others that have got the same skill set. Maybe we just need to look around sometimes and see what are the needs in the house? Where is someone struggling? What's something that I can do to show them that I love them, that I'm there for them? I love the fact that at the end of the day, it's up to God to build his church. Yeah? All what you and I have to do is have that as our expectation. As we're loving people, trust that he's going to build his church. That people will be made whole. That the supernatural healing will become natural. Yeah? That the, extra, the extraordinary would become ordinary. How cool would that be? You know, our vision, that's our heart. I would go as far as to say, if you read Revelation 7, 9, we, we need to be a Revelation 7, 9 church. You know, Revelation 7, 9 reads, after this I looked. This is a picture of heaven, right? After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation. <laughs> Tribe, people, language, vaccination. Did it say that? Standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes, forget about the white robes they see through, and holding palm branches in their hands, welcoming the king. Yeah? That's a picture of heaven. That's a picture of a heavenly church. We need to continue to grab hold of our vision, the heart of this place, so that we can be a Revelation 7-9 church. People of all nations, you're welcome, come. People of all brokenness, don't worry, come. Why? Because you'll find Jesus here. You find people that his hands and feet extended here. You find people that actually cook really good gnocchi here. It's, it's true. I, I still tell jokes of meals we got in the early days. You know, I came from Melbourne. I was my mama's boy. And people would see Mel and I need. they go, we got a meal for you. Thank you. We'd sit down with our family and we eat it. And we were so thankful. But inside I'm going, this doesn't taste like anything. Oh my, where's my mum's lasagna? You're saying, how can you be so rude? I never spoke it to anybody. I ate it and I would always eat it. I, I have been overseas multiple times and you don't understand the things that I ate that I watched others in disgust give back because I've learned that when you go to someone's home, someone's country, whatever they give you, you eat it and you eat it joyfully. Doesn't mean inside I'm not missing my mum's lasagna or the person's gnocchi from this place, yeah? But all I'm saying is we've got to work in our gifts. So for me, vision, 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 knowing the vision of the house is important. That's why we had old, we had these old um, uh, cards made up with our old vision when we first came. And our old vision was not created, but we sat as an eldership and over many months we came up with a vision. And that was to engage um, with God, his church and his people. But back then, some were like, well, we as a congregation, we weren't involved with that. Sometimes that's why you have an eldership and board, because you trust people. Legitimately, yeah. This time around, though, 
we had our elders and our board and we had a group, a couple of different families. There's about 23 of us to represent the body. This is back in 2019. And then we sat over two different weekends and then we came back and we let things germinate and ruminate and grow and eventually we came up with the vision that we have now. We're only talking about it now because we had those stupid COVID years in between. But it was done amongst us all. So vision is really important because Paul says in verse 58, give ourselves fully to it. Fully to it. Fully to it. It's so important because vision's what we see. It's, it's what comes to pass. It's what's written down. It's what's prayed about. Yeah? It's what's declared into the atmosphere. And it's also something that God ordains and is sovereignly arranged. Yeah? Because Proverbs, Proverbs reminds us, doesn't it, that we can make our plans, but the, it's the Lord who's going to direct our steps. So I believe that our vision, God has been a part of that, part of bringing that together in what we do. It's interesting, though, because so much of our lives... And even just saying that, you know, this is a place for the broken to come and find haven here. Father God, Abba, he uses all things. Good things, average things, bad things, crappy things. Like you think about Joseph. <laughs> he uses the pit. Some of us have been through pit seasons where you feel like you're trapped in a hole. What about Potter, still Joseph, Potiphar's house? You feel like everything's going well and all of a sudden it just falls apart and you're being chased out. I mean, dang. What about prison season? Some of us have been through some interesting things over the years. But do you know why God allows those things to happen within our own lives, within the life of a, a church family? It's, it's so we can get to the place where we can be used with even greater measure. With even greater measure. Because now I don't have to just come alongside someone who's struggling with a, say, mental illness or, or an addiction and say, look, I don't understand, but I'm here for you. Someone else that's been through that comes along and says, I know exactly where you're at. I know what you're feeling right now. I know that temptation. I know that. Let me walk with you. He allows us to go through stuff so we can be there for those that are around us. That's why I, I love friendship group and stuff like that because sometimes the breakthrough that someone needs is a conversation with us, with you. It's all they need. I'm just sharing all that to say Family Life Church, lean into the vision. Embrace the vision. You know, sometimes vision can be a s small steps on a long, on, on a long walk. I was just sorry. I just had a an old joke. Step. Do you ever, ever tell someone to go take a long walk off a short pier? Do you remember that? So it just jumped into my head. Anyway, um, sometimes vision is like preparing a climb up a mountain, but actually knowing that we're going to be at the top of the mountain. Actually knowing that we're going to experience the top of the mountain. And, and vision, we need words to explain it. We need words to articulate it. You know, but sometimes it's just not taught and it has to be caught. We're going to live it for it to be caught. It needs to resonate 
within the depth of our soul. And, and here, this is what Paul's talking about, especially in the context of the gospel, in the context of Jesus' death, burial and resurrection. It's from a, a firm belief in Jesus that, that Paul's actually saying in verse 58, leave out the vision with confidence. Leave it out with confidence. Man, Jesus is real. So the vision that he's giving, leave it out with confidence. Leave it out with perseverance. Because Jesus died and was buried and was and rose again. Leave it out with confidence because he lives. Leave it out with confidence because we have an intercessor sitting at the right hand of God. Leave it out with confidence because the gospel, Jesus, is the hope of the world. Live it out with confidence because he's the way, the truth, and the life. Live it out with confidence because you and I were once separated from him, but now we're family. Live it out with confidence. We're now sons and daughters. Stand firm, he says. And because of all of that truth, we persevere and we walk and we talk and we work in his kingdom, yeah? We give ourselves fully to it. Be encouraged, you know. It, it's so easy to look at the problems of the world. It's so easy to see what's going on around us that's not right. I guess that's why he says, let nothing move you. It's, it's so easy to be caught up about all these other things. The, the spiritual tide of our nation almost feels like at times that it's, it's going out, doesn't it? When you look at what's kosher today, what wasn't kosher yesterday, what we accepted as normal then, what's accepted as normal now, constantly changing goalposts. In our culture, I don't think this has changed. So we've got all of this stuff happening around us, you know. We, what about better still? Where were the good old days where everyone came to church? Where were the good old days when everyone came to church in the morning and then came back for the second service? I remember those days. I love those days. Because we had better music at the evening service. <laughs> you know, we now find ourselves in a culture that's so divided that we can't share our opinion. And in most opinions, you know, they're like armpits. We all have them. They all stink. We know that. Most opinions have a, a right and a wrong, a pro and a con. You just decide which side of it you're going to step on and then you find the information to support yourself. And the person on this side decides where they're going to step, where they're going to stand and they find the information to support themselves and then they want to put a dividing rod between it and they want to have an argument. That's not how a Christian operates. It's not how we do stuff. I don't care if you have a different opinion. I really don't care. Unless it's going to muck up someone's faith, then I would personally come up to you and say, please, shut up. It's what you're sharing is not right. But if it's not going to affect someone's faith, I don't care what you believe. This is what I believe. This is what you believe. I'm happy for you to believe what you believe. But if it's got to do with the gospel, then please sit with it. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you and let him convict or convince you. It's not your job to do it to someone else. Yeah, We live in a world that it sometimes feels like it's so dark. It, isn't it true that they say that often at the darkest hour, that's when the dawn begins to shine? 
Yeah? Doesn't it say in John 1.5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. We need to be encouraged. There's a story from a, an old town in Scotland called Oldney. So many old towns in Scotland, it's really hard to find. Anyway, but the story says that back then, only four people believed in God and went to church. Revival, history says, says revival came to that town called Oldney. And then by the end, it wasn't four people going to church, but the whole town. I share that because everybody had to come to know the Lord. And it's really similar to the context of what's happening in Corinthians because you had stuff happening in Samaria when many believed in Jesus. Even emphasis when revival came to the city and, and they started to burn their scrolls and do stuff. The whole society was being transformed even though it looked dark when God takes hold. God takes hold. And Jesus becomes the name that everyone talks about. And I'm going to leave you with this because I'm out of time, but Corinth had a similar experience to Samaria and emphasis. But not the same significant move of God. But they had a move of God just the same. But then they got the and thens. The and thens arrived. It's like a family. The and thens just moved into town. And then the discouragements came. And then the threats came. And then the supporters got attacked. And then, and it was just all these and thens. Sometimes our life can feel exactly like that when we follow Jesus. The and thens come. The discouragement comes. Yeah, the threats come. The supporters come. You know, in Acts chapter 18, verses 9, uh, and 10, God spoke to Paul in a vision. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. In other words, work fully for the vision that I've given you. Keep going. Don't stop. Verse 10, for I am with you and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. That was a vision from God. No one's going to attack you, which, which meant, listen, keep going. There's obviously fear of that. There's some trouble coming. And God says to him, there are more people. There are more people for me than are against me. You can't see it yet. And sometimes when we're following our vision, when we're running with stuff, we feel like the whole world is caving in around us. But God says to us, don't be afraid. Keep on going. Keep working fully. Keep speaking. Don't stop. People aren't going to attack you. I've actually got people on the ground that I've been ministering to, that I've been positioning, that I've been getting ready, especially for you. You just don't know it yet. In fact, the people I've got, they haven't even been saved yet. They don't even know that they're going to support you yet. But I've already seen that they belong to this movement, to this house. I've got them for you, Paul. Stand firm. And so the promise of God is to keep on. And the word came to Corinth, the word came to Paul while he was in Corinth. And later when he's finally writing 1 Corinthians, what does Paul do? He gives him the same word. Stick with it. Stick with it. Keep shining your light, the light that shines in the darkness. And the darkness can never extinguish it. Why don't we stand? I'm going to continue with some of this stuff. In a couple of weeks, we have a guest speaker next week. It's going to blow your socks off. 
you and I, we don't take our strength from our numbers. In fact, that's often, often our downfall. Psalm 27 says this, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in what? The name of the Lord Jesus. This day, trust in the name Lord Jesus. This day, know the vision. Know the vision of the house that you aspire or say or claim to be a part of. That this vision is to be a safe haven, a safe place for all people to find refuge that they might be restored and revealed for his glory. Know that vision. Stand firm. Fully work towards it in whatever capacity. And know this. Our strength doesn't come from our numbers, but our strength comes and our trust is in the name of the Lord. Amen. So I'm sorry I have no other time. That's it, Father. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for this exceptionally croaky Godfather voice, Chris. Um, Father, Lord, we thank you for this time together. And we pray, God, that you would take some of that truth, that you would build it within us. Lord, that it would actually start to, to root and to grow and to flourish. Lord, that it would make sense. Lord, that it actually would change the way that we look at each other and look at those that are around us. But we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. More than anything in the whole world for your son, Jesus. Thank you that you sent Holy Spirit and thank you that we can be a family together. So whether we're here in person or whether we're watching and listening at home, Lord, we are part of Family Life Church. And God, in this place, we want to give you all the glory, Lord, as we raise our hands and say, this is all we have, our hallelujah. And so receive it this day in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Bless you all. Have a wonderful day in Jesus' name. Have a coffee. <laughs>